Alright, so if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> we want to talk about self-control. Since it's a new year and we're like halfway through the first month and I'm sure by now there's a lot of people who've made resolutions and they're starting to already fall by the wayside and things. And So <clears throat> yeah, we just wanted to talk about self-control because... Which, what? Yeah, definitely. Um, Self-control is one of those things where, like, basically every one of us could use more of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, anyway, in Second Peter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted us to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So Peter's talking about, you know, God's divine power and the and the power God's divine power and the power that it gives us and, and things. And he's talking about the, the gifts that God has given to us through his power and stuff. And in verse 5 he says, Now for this very reason, in other words, for the power that God has given us, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Look at it in verse 8. He says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So reading through this, you see that growing in Christ is not just something that, well, you know, God's going to do it, right? Uh, if God wants to me to be mature, he's going to mature me, right? If God wants me to um, to love my wife more, he's, gonna, he's just going to make it happen in me and stuff. And there is an aspect where, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit, where the Holy Spirit is there and he dwells within us and he is here to help us to become all these things. But at the same time, we have to be intentional, right? If we want, if I want self-control in my life, he's saying that not only is that self-control available to you and it's there for you, but it's something that you have to exercise. It's not something that's just going to happen automatically. He says you have to add all these things. And so when he's talking about this and we, you start thinking about it, you start to realize that, you know what, this is a walk. This is not a, mer and you know, a lot of times we think of, of Christianity as a, a race, you know, or we're on the cutting edge and we're, we're doing all these things. And, and, and we like to think that we're in this foot race and that we're running as fast as we can to destroy the works of the devil. And the thing is, is it's not a foot race at all. It's a marathon. And the more we, it's by these very things growing in grace and, and growing in self-control and, and all this kind of stuff, these are actually ways in which we are overcoming the kingdom of darkness, 
right? So we think that uh, we're overcoming the kingdom of darkness when we preach the gospel or when we, when we feed the poor or when we clothe the poor. And those are good things and those things are overcoming darkness. But also when we are personally growing in our relationship with Jesus, we are overcoming darkness. Right, because we are exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to to live more and more through us. Does that make sense? So again, not only not only is he saying that we can do these things, but that we need to do these things, right? Um, and so, like uh, I was looking through the dictionary, and then the Oxford Dictionary, self control says it's the ability to control oneself. In particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially, look at this, especially in difficult situations, all right? And so a lot of us, or maybe all of us, at some times we, we use cop-outs, right? Well, I couldn't control myself or, you know, I, I just, you know, I didn't have the strength to overcome these. And the simple fact of the matter is it's a process. But the process has to begin somewhere, right? And as I said, like every single one of us have places where we need self-control. Um, and, and if you think about it, like if you look at our world and, and a lot of the problems that face our world, a lot of the sins that are in the world, they're a direct result of a lack of self-control, right? I look back on my own life and I see a lot of times where I have sinned and I, and I see it's blatant. It was a lack of self-control. Just like he says in Romans 7, the doing is in me, but the ability is not. And again, it's, it's just self-control. And these are things, these is, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where Jesus is taking us through that discipleship process. And a lot of us, we don't like self-control, right? Because basically, self-control is saying no to yourself. Self-control is limiting yourself, and we don't want to limit ourselves when it comes to the cookie, right? We don't want to limit ourselves when it comes to, you know, spending hours on playing video games or, or overeating or not exercising or, or gossiping or whatever it is. There's a million ways that it can happen in our lives and stuff. And like I said, we're going to see a little bit later that self-control is beneficial in every part of our lives. If I exercise self-control, say just for example, in the way that I eat, it's going to have effects in the rest of my life too, right? Because if you, if you, if you, self-control is, how can I say it? It's, it's one of those things to where self-control is its, its own reward, right? Does that make sense? If, if, I'm, if I exercise self-control in an area, in other words, if I say no to myself in, in an area where I want to say yes, if I'm able to exercise self-control in this area, that means that in any other area, I can exercise the same self-control. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Because what you're doing, again, is you're saying no when you want to say yes, right? And that's what our parents did. And what would happen when our parents would say no to us? We'd get angry, right? And so God begins to take us in that same process. And he begins, and we wonder so many times, well, God, how, why don't you let me win the lottery? Or God, why don't you give me a, you know, this? Or why don't you give me all these things that I've been praying for and stuff? And sometimes God's saying, you know what? You need self-control. 
Because again, we are those spoiled children that until God and the Holy Spirit begins to do that work in us, we're still selfish and we have no self-control and we're, and we're just guided by our emotions, we're guided by our wills, and we're guided by the situations that come into our life. Kind of like you were saying earlier and stuff. God is bringing us to where it's not the situations that change us. It's not the situations that dictate how we're going to be. It's I have decided by that by the control over my will and living in a certain way that I'm not going to live that way. That when when trials come, when situations come, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to. My default is not going to be grumbling and complaining. My default is going to be worshiping the Lord. And it starts with self-control. And a lot of us, we're wait, we're waiting for feelings, right? We're waiting. It's like, you know what? I don't feel like praising Jesus right now because I've had a really bad day and my wife was mad at me and my boss was mad at me. And, and I don't feel like pra praising Jesus. And I feel like it would be worse if I did that. Well, you know what? That's how it starts. It begins in that moment of self-discipline where you say, you know what? I'm going to choose to worship. I'm going to choose to be thankful. And it doesn't matter how my flesh feels. It doesn't matter what I'd really like to be doing at this situation is feeling sorry for myself and having a little pity party, right? So self-control begins in small ways. Um, Let's see. Turn to James chapter 1. This is the progression. In James chapter 1 verse 14. It says each one or each person is tempted. And this is the progression that, uh, that, that any sin happens really. It says when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And that's the progression. And the thing is, is every stop along that way is an opportunity to nip it in the bud. Right? I mean, if you're an alcoholic, you don't go hang out with your alcoholic friends. Right? If you've got a lust problem, you kind of you learn to stay away from the computer. These are all choices and decisions that you make in your life that because you don't want to go down that path, right? I got friends all the time that like invite me to go out with them after work and stuff, but I don't do it because I have made that decision in my life that that's not how I want to live, right? And so self self-control gives you the ability to nip things in the bud. And also it takes the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know when situations are coming. And the problem is is a lot of times we see temptation coming towards us. We see things coming towards us that are going to wind up bad if we don't control them immediately. And instead of fighting this little small fire, now you've got a blazing wildfire. Right? And then we're like, well, what, Lord, why can't I defeat this thing? And the Lord's saying, well, why didn't you defeat it when it was tiny? And, and you know what I'm saying? And so we allow these things to get big. And instead of exercising the self-control and the self-discipline to stop it in its tracks or to stop it when it's small, it becomes something that we cannot control. 
And that's the thing, like in California, when I lived in California, every summer they would start all these small brush fire, fires. And what they're doing is they're burning down the small, the, they're starting small fires so that down the line they can avoid bigger fires. Just like in Australia right now, how like millions and millions of acres are just burning and stuff. It's because all that stuff in the brush is accumulated and all these things have accumulated and they weren't, you know, they weren't taken care of when they were small. Again, think of how much damage happens because of self-control. Um, people that don't know how to let fights go. I mean, you see it so often in, in marriages and even in friendships. Like something will come up and, and people don't know how to let it go, right? Overeating, you know, it's like, okay, it's not a big deal if I have this last donut and stuff. But when you've had like, when, when you've like 50 pounds overweight or you're 100 pounds overweight and you're like, how did I get here? and stuff right and and you're you're causing damage to your body that's long term lying like you know when you lie to people when they find out that you're lying to them and the, the damage that it does to those uh relationships and things so god is calling us to be a people of self-control and it starts in the small things again we don't learn discipline we you don't learn how to fight when you're in the middle of a war you learn with the small situations and we are faced with daily situations every day and we have choices to make. Everything about our lives is choices. We have choices whether I'm going to give in to my flesh or whether I'm going to say no to things. And again, it's not this, um, this legalistic thing where, we're, you know, where you become ascetics or whatever and you can't eat anything, you can't touch anything and you live in a cave and you become a hermit or anything like that. It's just knowing when to say no. It's knowing that I have a certain weakness. Maybe I have a weakness with video games or I have a weakness with television or whatever it is. I have a weakness with eating or I have a weakness with gossip, whatever it is. The first thing is, is understanding that you have issues, right? And when you have issues, it's like, how do you address these issues? Because the, the thing is, is you're not going to overcome Again, say you've got major wildfires in your life. You're not going to immediately overcome those things. It's going to it's going to come through a process, right? You have to take steps, you have to plan, you have to be intentional about how you're going to overcome those things. Can I give an example of what you're saying about something that was small that could be larger and almost impossible it is weight. Yes. And I know for me it's weight and I know that um, just those lack of discipline moments that I might do once a day or whatever, those things add up and they add up and they add up to where you, you do have a lot of weight to lose and it does seem insurmountable and impossible. But And so then you make an excuse, well, I just have too much to lose. I can't do it or I tried. and But, but it's all those little excuses along the way wow. that got me there in the first place. Yeah, It's all those times, those little times that I didn't, exercise some self-discipline when I could have when I'm at a church potluck and I pile my plate five miles high instead no. of saying okay I'm going to get three small things you know it's those kind of decisions little decisions here and there that eventually leads to the problem right yeah so and that's the thing and it does take a lot of wisdom sometimes I mean sometimes you're a single mom and you know and you're you're running your kids here and there and everywhere and stuff and so you can't really sit there and fix a meal and things like that but you know, so you can either go out to fast food or, you know, or if you do go to fast food, you can order a cheeseburger that's got 1,600 calories on it, or maybe you can order a salad, you know what I'm saying? So it does come to, it, it, 
And again, it comes with wisdom and it comes with being intentional. How am I going to address this problem? And just like you say, the, the, the example that you're using is almost like one of those things where it has become a forest fire now. And that's the thing, too. A lot of us, we have these forest fire situations and we're like, well, it's a forest fire. There's nothing I can do about it now. Yeah. And so you quit and then it becomes a raging inferno. Yeah. Right? And so the thing is, is no matter where you are along the way, that's the time when it's like, okay, this has to stop. And I have to figure out how to make it stop. Okay? Um, let's look at the example in Judges chapter um, 13. Or, or, or we want God to just blow out the, the inferno that we created instead of well, <laughs> taking the steps. That's that exactly we right. Need to take. And the thing is, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I've been in those situations a lot of time and I'm like, God, I've got this raging inferno. Can you please blow it out? And God's like, no, uh, do you, you. think there's things where, like I, I, I see a temptation where I, the things where I'm naturally able to have a lot of self-control in, I'll overamp that. While ignoring the things that God mm. wants me to have mm. self-control in. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm still clenching onto controlling yeah. a certain aspect of my life or whatever that might be. But um, but I'm ignoring what God wants me to actually. Yeah. Like Some, he actually wants me to let go of that thing and then yeah. like have control. control it's like you can, you're doing a good job with this and yeah, now it's yeah, time yeah, to like fi- focus like, on oh, something too else. Much, like this control now is an inferno. <laughs> like we need to like <laughs> put some water on. Like, yeah. like uh, yeah. <laughs> and then like... And I think sometimes that sometimes we kind of get this denial thing, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And because, and that's the whole thing is like we have to learn to be honest with ourselves mm-hmm. and to assess our situations honestly. Because, yeah. you know, it's just like they say with drugs or anything like that. The first step is acknowledging that you've got a problem, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of us, we look at ourselves and you know we put ourselves in the best light you know and stuff with other people and even with ourselves sometimes and and then we you know it's like you know how many times have you said to somebody man you got this issue and they had no conception whatsoever (laughs) yeah right and it's the same thing because they we've been telling ourselves man you know i got look how good i am at this thing you know and and stuff and and yeah okay you are You're, you're really good at that thing but you got these fires going over here that if you don't address them, they're going to they're gonna be a big problem and stuff. And so, yeah, uh, and again, there, there has to be a balance, too, between, like, we can't be continually nitpicking ourselves either yeah. because that just turns into a whole ball of craziness and stuff. But, but there, you know, it's like when Amy and I first got married, we've told this before and stuff, like, there, periodically we would sit down and talk about where are we at? What is the state of our marriage? You know, I mean, how how are we doing? You know, and stuff. In the in, because, you know, how, you so often in marriages, people don't really even know the other person, right? And there's things, you know, it's like you you've seen people get divorced and they're like, I didn't even know that it was coming. Well, how could you not know it was coming, right? And and again, it's the same thing that people aren't trying to find out what's really going on, what the situation really is and stuff and and so so but that was what the holy spirit does right the holy spirit is in our hearts to illuminate those things and to show us I, um i can't think off the top of my head what it was but just the other day man i was like 
I, I had no, like the Holy Spirit just showed me something that I was doing because of insecurity or something. I can't even remember what it was, but it's like, boom. It's like, really? Because I, I had no, I had no idea, you know, and stuff. And, yeah. and, he, and he does that from time to time. And so, yeah, it's, it's just good to. Back to, to Amy's example real quick with the weight. I was, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to lose weight and stuff. And it, it just occurred to me. If God suddenly made me skinny and thin like I wanted to be, you know, did plastic surgery and the next day mm. I'm fine. I do not have the habits built up to be yeah. skinny. I'm going to mm. put yeah. the weight back on until yeah. I've learned the habits to right. keep that body. So there's no point in just making me skinny mm. if I haven't learned yeah. how to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're actually going to talk about that. But And think about this. Like a lot of people go to the gym and they see these people that are really buff and in and, and, and really good shape, and they're like, well, it's easy for them. Look at them, you know. So, <laughs> you know, the reason why they like that is because they took the steps. Mm-hmm. Isn't they're not like that because it was easy for born, them. They weren't born like they that. They were, no, yeah. No, and, and, no, okay. And some some people, way. some people are naturally uh, maybe health, more prone uh, to uh, athletic and things like that. So, some people genetically are more gifted than other people. But, but really, uh, you know, in order to, we look at what we we look at people that are what we want to be, and we say, "Oh well, it's easy for them." No, it's not easy for them. They are just someone who took the steps to get there, and they paid the price essentially, and stuff, and and they did the hard work and stuff. I think too sometimes, like, you know, sometimes I think God wants us just to learn the, the self control itself too, like, and, and puts things that, like, you know, you look in uh, Joshua and it talks about like. Uh, uh, you know how they they God left people in the land so that mm-hmm. they could learn to fight. Yeah. And sometimes I think we you know we want we want to like be at this whatever our end point that we're thinking of is where we you know God has given us more to work with and stuff like that. But we still haven't learned the self control that we need for now. Yeah. We want it to magically happen and yeah. we want God just, to make it all happen. Right. Just like Christy's saying, and that's the thing. And uh, it's like it, what we fail to realize is it's the process. That God's teaching us, and it, it it's like I wanted, I was gonna I was saving this, but it's like <laughs> if 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 you want to become like some super buff person like Schwarzenegger or something like that, the goal is not to to say, well, I'm gonna go into the gym six days a week and I'm gonna lift you know this amount of weights, so I'm gonna do this many reps, I'm gonna do this. The goal is to make change your mindset to 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 enjoy the process of lifting weights. Does that make sense? So we get this goal like, okay, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And then, so you lose those 50 pounds, your goal's over with. And then you, and you, then you gain that weight back. And so, but if the goal was like, you know what, I'm going to learn what it's like to enjoy being healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I'm going to learn what it's like to enjoy eating carrots. And the, the thing is, is we can change all of that. We can change our mindsets. I hate carrots. Believe me, I'm, I detest carrots. But if I really wanted to, if, if I really wanted to... Make him eat one. There, 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 there's a thing about changing your taste buds that if you eat something enough times, you will actually begin to like it. I'm not going to do that. But I'm just saying that that's true. 
<laughs> and so the the fact of the matter is, again, we we get the, we get these huge goals in our mind. This is what I want to be. I want to be the next Apostle Paul. And so you know, the next day we're we're like praying and we're trying to preach to as many people as we can. We're trying to, and so you get burned out instead of like. Okay, I want to, I want to like, when I read the Bible, I want to learn how to enjoy it, right? Or when, when I, when I, when I go out on the streets, I want to learn how to, uh, I'm not doing it to, you know, like, Lord, I'm going out on the streets or Lord, I'm witnessing or Lord, I'm doing this or this is something I need to do or anything like that. It's like, man, this is something that, wow, I, I, I shared the gospel with that person and they, their eyes were opened and it's like, wow, you know? And stuff, and or and, I gave some chocolate to somebody at the gym, and they loved it, and now, now they're, they're my friend, <laughs> and, and now they're gonna hear the gospel. But we digress. <laughs> but they're happy. Dude. Yeah, they're happy. Okay, so uh, in Judges 11, uh, thirteen verse two, and y'all don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It says there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, and this is Samson, for if you don't know. He says, verse 4, Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean. For behold, for behold you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God, from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about self-control, right? He's like, okay, so for all of this kid's life, it doesn't matter if he lives to be 100 years old, he's not going to drink wine. He, he's not going to eat anything, uh, any grapes or anything like that. He's not going to shave his head. He's going to be a Nazarite from his birth. This is a life of control, right, Cindy? Are you are you reading the story like before Samson is born? Yes. Uh-huh. And he had like no self control. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. And so that is the complete irony of it, right? Here, why? It's like why did God give his parents these rules? Was it that God like wanted just to give them these rules and he wanted Samson to have long hair? God didn't care at all about that. He wanted him to live a life of discipline and understand what discipline was, but he completely and totally missed the point, right? Which is what we do a lot of times, right? When we're going through our trials, when we're going through our situations and we're grumbling and complaining, we don't realize that God is putting us in this place where, okay, you're supposed to be learning discipline from this. You're supposed to be learning self-control. You're supposed to not. You're supposed to learn not to grumble, not to complain, right? I don't know about you guys. This is stuff I face every day. <laughs> when I'm going out in the rain and I'm checking people's tires for air and, and they're like, you know, and it's like 30 degrees and I'm like, why are you here? Why would you have someone come and check the air in your tires when it's 30 degrees and it's raining outside? What kind of human being are you? Yeah, right? And it's like... Exactly. And and so, you know, when you're in those situations, and I'm telling you, my my inclination is to grumble and complain. And God has been dealing with me and saying, you know what? You're not, you're supposed to be learning from this. 
Because, you know, I call myself a Christian. Am I acting like a Christian? Do I love this person? No. At this moment, I do not like this person at all. <laughs> and stuff. And, and it's like, man, how do I change this? Because this is, this is honestly my nature, my character. This is how I am. When people come and do that, it's my reaction. My first reaction is going, like, what kind of human being are you that you would expect someone to do this for you? Because y'all do it for free. And we, yeah, and we yeah. do it for free. And they get mad if we don't do it fast enough yeah. while they're sitting in their heated cars. Yeah. Demanding on and, and, and it's like, God is like, you know what? This is something you're supposed to learn from. And I'm like, oh, Lord. But this is the process, and this is how it happens in each one of our lives in different ways, right? Entertaining. You know, I don't know how it happens in your life or whatever, and I don't know what God is dealing with you. I know that God is dealing with me in the er in the area of truly loving people and truly laying down my life, because that is the last thing that I want to do. Because it's it's kind of like we talked about last week about forgiveness and stuff. My first reaction is like justice. You know, my first reaction is like, God, you need to make these people repent or, you know, whatever. And God's like, no, you need to. Because God is more concerned with me than he is with that person in that car, right? Because that person is, is for all I know, a Muslim or not even a Christian or, or anything. And here I am, someone that's a follower of Jesus. And God's like, I am much more concerned about you and your attitude problems than than I am about their thing if especially if they're unsaved unsaved people do what unsaved people do right mm -hmm. and so here we're trying to put and that's what we as believers do we try to put our rules our restrictions on unsaved people and we're upset because they're not acting like christians well they're not supposed to act like christians because they're not christians they don't have the holy spirit yeah so okay turn to um proverbs twenty five twenty eight. This was an awesome scripture. He says, like a city, hey, you were waiting for this, huh? It says, like a city that is broken into and without walls, so is a man who has no control over his spirit. I mean, that's pretty powerful. I mean, what was no this? Yeah, no boundaries, but also no protection, right? Mm -hmm. when, when you have no control over your spirit, there's, I mean... You're, you're just opening yourself up, right? And stuff. And uh, turn to another place in Proverbs um, 22, verse 24. Proverbs 22, 24. He says, Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. In verse 25, he says, Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. And so the thing is, is, is we are growing constantly, right? We're either going forward with the Lord or we're going backwards. And every situation in our lives either makes us go forward or it makes us go backwards. It either, it either opens up the, the gates for the, the Holy Spirit to oper operate or it opens up the gates for worldliness to operate. 
and stuff. And that's why it's so important that we begin to walk a, a path of self-control. And I'm not just giving in to my emotions. I'm not giving in to my feelings. I'm not giving in to my fleshly thoughts. But I'm like, I mean, as cliche as it is, really, what would Jesus do in this situation? Would Would Jesus go, you guys are, are, are you know think the worst of people or would he like lay his life down for him and stuff and so um so again but we we have the holy spirit we have the fruit of the holy spirit jesus said he would send the comforter into us and the holy spirit is here to convict of sin righteousness and judgment and the holy spirit that you know he gives his fruits in us right and so the Holy Spirit is in us to give us, just like we read in First Peter earlier, that all these things gives us the ability and the power to live like this. And so, first of all, we have to begin to believe that I can be like this. Well, we have to believe that if it says that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control, yeah. that we, in fact, can walk in it. Right. We are not. We are not subject to the world anymore. We are not subject to Satan anymore. The yeah. Holy Spirit lives inside of us and because of that the, one of the fruits of that is is self-control so exactly we, we can do it and so that's the thing we have to start we we are starting from the eye from from the viewpoint from the standpoint is that the holy spirit's in us and if the holy spirit is in us he can grant us the ability now what it takes from there is it takes a process it it takes a learning process because We've we've formed these habits in our lives, right? We have we've imprinted these things on our on our minds and on our, our spirits and stuff that, that this is automatically this is kind of our default how we're gonna react in this kind of situation. So when the Holy Spirit begins to convict us, what we do and, and that's the whole thing, is like we're not gonna overcome all this in one day and things, right? So but we begin this process of catching ourselves. And that's what the Lord will do. Once you, once you begin to realize that the Holy Spirit will begin to catch you in that situation. And once you're in that situation, you now have the choice. What am I going to give in to? Am I going to give in to my flesh? Am I going to do things the way that I used to? Am I going to give in to my emotions? Or am I going to begin to exhibit some self-control in this area? Lord, this is not how I want to act right now. I need your Holy Spirit right now in me to cause me to desire to walk and to live the right way, right? And what happens then is it begins to slowly happen, right? And you'll stumble and you'll fall and stuff, but it's like, you know, you get stronger and you get stronger. It's just like anything. Uh, again, just, you know, we use weight loss because it's something that everybody knows, everybody experiences. But, you know, like you're, if you're 300 pounds, you get on that treadmill the first time, you're not going to be all of a sudden 120 pounds, right? <laughs> After one trip on the treadmill. It's going to take some time. That's what you mean. No? Right? So it, it, takes, it takes discipline. And that's the thing what God is trying to so teach us is that we want these instant results. We are Americans. We, we're living in a microwave society. We expect everything now. We want it here. We want it now. We want it in five minutes and we want it done. We don't even know what it is to cook a meal that takes hours anymore. You know, remember when your mom and your grandmother used to roll out the dough and like they were in the kitchen for hours and things, and we have no conception of that, and uh, and and that's the thing. It's 
that's it comes from discipline and it comes from starting seeing the problem and beginning to wrestle with it it's just it, it's the whole thing of when jacob wrestled with the angel all night long right that's a picture of when we begin to wrestle with our weaknesses, when we begin to wrestle with our problems. We don't wrestle with it for 10 minutes and then go, man, I'm tired, I quit. All right? It's something that you're going to have to wrestle and you're going to have to hold on and you're going to have to hold on and you'll fail sometimes, you'll fall sometimes, you get back up. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. You get back up, you grab him again and say, let's go. And so... I think another hindrance to our progress and our victory in these areas is that oftentimes, even when we're trying and we're struggling, we might have our brother or sister in Christ tell us, oh, it's okay, you know, God loves you just the way you are, you're, yeah. you're worrying about it too much, you yeah. know, you're, you're getting under condemnation, you know, just, you're, you're, you know, but but no, you're just in the process and it's difficult and you need someone to go, yeah. well, I believe in you, you can keep going. You, I, I, you want me to hold you accountable or how can I help you instead of being like, we need to stop telling each other, oh, don't worry about it. God loves you just the way you are yeah. <laughs> because that doesn't help the person. We need to say, man, I'm glad you're trying and at least you, like Lation, for example, when I'm working on my weight, she'll be like, well... If I say, if I call her, because I try to be accountable and say, well, I did really bad this today, she'll be like, well, you need to not do that again, but remember the first three days of the week you did really good. Remember you, you worked out on Monday, you worked yeah. out on Tuesday. So she still encourages, but she also says, okay, so what are you going to do tomorrow to change it? So yeah. so we don't just need to pat each other on the back and say, don't feel bad about it. You're, you're fine. God's fine with you. God loves you just like you are, mm-hmm. and you're not fat you're beautiful you know whatever we're saying to each other you know and stuff it's like no I'm fat <laughs> and I'm very unhealthy thank you I have high blood pressure so yeah and, that, and that's the whole other thing is that God like as far as weight because we are talking about it and it's something that the Lord is dealing with me on it's like you know I got found out I had a high blood pressure recently and stuff and I'm like oh my gosh like I thought that would never happen because I've always had low blood pressure crazy low but it's because it's a lot largely due to the weight and so that I've gained. And so so I can change that. I can sit and feel sorry for myself or I can make positive changes or I can just go to the altar and, and expect God to heal me. And But it's not going to work that way. Mm. I know it's not because God's like, I've been talking to you about your weight for a while and you kept eating cookies and cookies and cookies. And so um, it's just it's just so interesting how we don't really, in the body of Christ, really help each other. And we don't even really want to be helped. We want someone just to say, oh, you're beautiful yeah. and lovely just like you are. Jesus loves you just like you are. Well, yeah, he does, but now I have high blood pressure. Yeah, okay, so... Um, is he, am I going to just take God for granted and expect him? That's like, to me, that's like testing God. When we're, when we're, when, when, when Satan tempted Jesus and said, you know, if you hurt your, what did he say? You hit your foot on the stone or whatever, you know, that the angels are going to whatever, catch you or see, I can't quote scripture at all. But anyways, he was, he's like, we we don't put the Lord to the test. You know, we don't, we don't say, okay, well, I'm going to damage my body and treat it like crap and only eat carbs all day every day for the rest of my life and then expect a result that yeah. he didn't design my body to have so <laughs> yeah and that's that's the thing i think that sometimes we're that way with other people because honestly we want people to be that way with us you know yeah and <clears throat> we need to learn to be the kinds of friends that will 
and there is a balance there yeah. there mm-hmm. it is a tough situation because believe me if you're married and your your woman has put on a couple pounds and stuff you have to be very careful about how you mm-hmm. deal with that situation yeah and 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 with one another we do have to be careful with how we deal with each other but at the same time we need to be the kind of friend that can say yeah you know what you do need to you do need to deal with this situation right because so many times we cop out right because we don't want to either we don't want to um you know we don't want any controversy or we don't want to hurt people's feelings or whatever when we see that there is a serious problem here Right, and again, I'm not talking about little nitpicky problems, you know. We, uh, again, it, it's something we're all dealing with weaknesses, we're all dealing with addictions, we're all dealing with things that we need to deal with, and, and things. So, the first thing it should teach us is mercy, yeah, because I need mercy because yeah. I have. I have dealt with things that is like, and, and I'm still dealing with things a lot of times that is like, oh my god, how, how you know, how can I even call myself a Christian, you know, and stuff. You know, and so we we look at ourselves first and see the issues in ourselves, and then we we can deal with other people gently, knowing that that you know what we're all sinners, we've all fallen. The problem is is when someone is not trying, right? The problem is is when someone someone has massive issues, and that's but that's what new Christians are, right, and stuff, and hopefully they'll get discipleship and. They'll change and things, but you know, when when a person's been a Christian 20, 30 years and they're not even attempting, just like we were talking about earlier, you tell them that they got issues that you know God wants them to deal with, and they're like, Not me, I don't have any issues, I'm good, man. It's like, or, or God's okay with no. it, or just to make yeah, we're making excuses okay and things you know, like that. So. I think, too, like we, we like often I think it's easy to lean on either not saying anything or giving like rote recycled answers like yeah yeah because sometimes we also don't think about that person like as a person naturally use wisdom and think about what their situation is and uh like treat them with like compassion as yeah as an individual and we say just kind of try to give our like rote default answer like for for you know broadly but you got you know you have to actually you know, yeah. do the work and actually consider them and like how, like, okay, well, let's see how do we actually yeah. go about this? Like, you know, you, you, you know, just like you can't like, there's, there's differences with people with like weight problems. Like, you know, if, if you know, if so, if you, if you clearly see that this person's eating super healthy all right. the time and they still have issues yeah. and maybe they got a thyroid problem or something like that. Right. And, that and that's the whole thing. You know, it's a lot of times when we see, issues or we see problems we slip into ministry mode right well you know john 58 3 says this you know which <laughs> yeah i know there's no john 58 <laughs> but you know what i'm saying we, we slip into that mode where we're like now we become like ministry and we're like well the lord says this you know or something like that rather than like you say well how how do you truly help this person you know, it's like, and that's a problem. We give these pat Christian answers sometimes. And even to unbelievers, we try to slip them these Christian things, which don't even apply to them and stuff and without really like, and, and really the world, I mean, has a big problem with believers because we do that all the time. We don't try to see things from their point of view or from their standpoint. We just try to give them the, well, here's the Christian answer, you know, and things. And, and, you know, it's like, we need to learn how to lay down our lives and truly 
seek what's best for that person. And what's best for that person is sometimes a kind thing. Yeah, you're doing good. You keep on doing it. Sometimes it needs to be a rebuke. You know, what you're doing is sin. You need to repent. You need to get right with the Lord. So again, it's not this, you know, this one size fits all thing and stuff. So. And I think like too, like when you're getting into these categories, like you said earlier, like self, self-discipline can affect so many areas of our life that you can get really legalistic about it and then you yeah. can also be judgy about it and be like, right. okay, well, okay, you're... you're Because I'm disciplined in this area. Well, yeah, and or you're in sin because you don't make your bed every day. You're in sin because you're 20 pounds overweight. You're in sin. Right. And all those require discipline. So we have to be careful not to enter into judging people mm-hmm. and calling things necessarily sin, but we also have to realize that it still does say... The fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-discipline. So whether my weight problem is a sin or not is not really the issue. The Bible says that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-discipline. So I should be walking in it, period. Whether it's a sin or it's not a sin is not really the issue. And that's why well, I say some no. people that are buff that are spending 10 hours in front of the mirror looking at yeah. themselves. And yeah. yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and it's yeah. like, okay, it's you. Right. Right. They're not working. They don't yeah. have, you know. <laughs> right. You can get on to someone for spending hours playing video games while well, this yeah. guy's at the gym for hours, you know. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Staring at himself. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. And that's why, <laughs> why I say it, it, it applies to each one of us. We all have need of more self-control. And. You know, whatever works for you or whatever area God is speaking to you in your life is for you. Mm-hmm. And again, just like you say, it's not for me to say, you know, you got it's not any of that at all. It's like, what is the Lord speaking to you? And I, just like you say, the, like the whole thing about self-control is good in every area. Think about Jesus when he was tempted. We've talked a little bit about this before. How like he had fasted for 40 days and nights and Satan says, hey, you can turn this this stone into bread. Jesus could have turned the stone into bread, right? Jesus, I'm sure, wanted to turn the stone into bread because physically he was no different from us. So, like, he was just as hungry after 40 days of not eating as you would be after 40 days of eating. And, and you know, I, I'm like, what's the problem? Who cares if he turned the stone into bread? But the thing that, and, and he says, well, you know, because the Bible says man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we stick on that without realizing that he's teaching us a different, a, a deeper message too. And that message is self-control. I don't have to satisfy my needs every time when I want to. Right? He's like, oh, yeah, I could turn this stone into bread. I could eat this bread right now. But I'm not going to do it because I am exercising self-control. And why did he have the self-control to be able to go to the cross? Why do I have the, not have the self-control to you know, preach Jesus to somebody at work? It starts in these little things, right? Not that that was a little thing. That was a huge thing. But that's we're faced with these little things and stuff. And we, and we again, when we can't face our trials, when we can't overcome, we wonder why. It's because, well, I've got this, this area in my life where there's no self-control, where I'm just giving in to my flesh, where I'm just, you know, giving myself whatever I want to give it without putting a stop to it. And then, and then I wonder why I have no self-control over here. 
Again, it's it's in every every area of your life. And uh, going back to vision, it's like in in Psalm uh, or Proverbs twenty nine. It says, "Without vision, people perish." It says in New New American Standard, it says, "Without vision, people are unrestrained." And I think the the interpretation is between both of those scriptures because it's like you're unrestrained until it just ruins your life and destroys you and stuff. And so we we need to get a vision and we need to sometimes you need to okay say like you want to be the next Schwarzenegger what do you do you start getting muscle magazines right you start taking um, protein powders some some things you take that aren't necessarily legal and things you you start hanging out with people that have the same goals that you have right and so if I'm hanging out with the, at the bar, but I'm wanting to be more holy, and I'm wondering why I'm not becoming more holy, it's because I don't have a vision of what I want to be. It's like I've, I've known bodybuilders before, and they have pictures all over their apartment of... of They have pictures of people who have accomplished the goals that they want to accomplish, right? And so it's good for us sometimes to be with other people that are what we want to be. Because who, whoever you're like, it's just like a proverb that we read, if you hang out with an angry person, you're going to become like them, right? Because you become like the people that you hang out with. But again, and it's getting a vision and it's not trying to eat the whole camel in one bite. It's taking it in bite-sized chunks. Again, if you, if you want to be... Uh, if you want to be a musician, you don't start out trying to play Eddie Van Halen. If you want to be a musician, you start playing sim- simple songs, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, <laughs> stuff like that. You start with the basics, right? Right. Because any expert in any field is somebody who has mastered the basics, right? That's what an expert is. Somebody who has mastered the basics to such an extent to where it's like, it's, it's like I don't even know what he's doing now. But it's all the basics, just like in, in Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we do has been done by somebody else and stuff. And it's like what we do, like Paul, we take the examples of Paul and the apostles and we try to emulate them. And the more time that I st- spend studying what they were like and trying to get into their, and again, that's it's the whole difference because it's you have a vision now. And so I'm not reading the Bible because, you know, my pastor said I need to read the Bible 30 minutes a day or because I started this read the Bible in one year program and stuff. And so now I got to read these scriptures, but now I'm reading it and I'm trying to get inside their heads and what makes them tick and why are they the way they are? Why can Paul get beaten and stoned and left for dead, get up, go back into the same city and preach the gospel to them again? Right. And so, again, it's not it's once you get the vision and it's like you have to change your perspective. It's like when we were on a walk today and it's what you see. It's what it's what your vision is. It's what what your values are. When we were we were on a walk today and stuff and Amy was looking at this bird and she goes, look how pretty that bird is. And I'm like, it's a gray bird. It's ugly. It's not. Yeah. And she goes, no, it's got like this yellow stripe on it and it's got this other stuff on it. And it's like, oh, so. So it's the way that we look at things. And then she sold me the sunset later tonight and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a sunset. Yeah, the sun sets and stuff. And I go out there and the sky's like all on fire and stuff. <laughs> and the problem is that sometimes we don't slow down enough to get, a, and that's the thing, with a vision, you have to be intentional. You have to you have to wrap your brain about it. And you have to, you have to, 
with all these things, it's like, how am I going to overcome this? It's, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? You have to get a vision of what you want. You have to see it. And that's the problem. Most of us can't see it. We see through the lens of unbelief. We see through the lens of this is how I've always been. We see through the lens of, you know, my dad was like this. My, my mom was like this. My, my neighbors are like this. Everybody that I know is like this. And that's the way it is, right? You go to work and everybody that I work with is unbelievers. And so they, everybody gossips. And stuff, and so it's like if I gossip too, it's like well, it's, that's what I'm surrounded by all day long and stuff. Instead of getting the vision and saying, you know what, I can be different. I don't have to be like they are. Amen. Amen. Turn to one last place, Ephesians chapter three. I think there's a lot. It's important to understand that you have to change your habits to yeah. new habits, and so it's good to talk to people that have done it before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like going and talking to somebody that's skinny that's always been skinny doesn't have a clue yeah. what it takes to lose weight. Somebody who's, you know, been through a difficult mm -hmm. marriage or something. You, you need to speak to people in the know either because they've studied that and they know or if they've been through it and they know and then be willing to receive as well because mm. some people... Some people will be like, oh, I'm fat, I need to lose weight. And they just really want you to say, no, you're not. You look fine. Right. <laughs> and so, you, you know, as if you're giving advice, you have to be careful because they don't really want advice. They want you to confirm that they're not fat. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> that can be a difficult, you know, conversation to have. But yeah. if you're actually looking to change, you're going to have to replace your bad habits. And so you need to right. look at your life. What are your habits? And then... And then how are you going to change that? So yeah. for me, I had to stop drinking sodas. It took like eight to nine months for me to not show up at a restaurant and order the meal and tell them I wanted a Coke or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such a habit. And then I wanted the tea, but I kept saying Coke. I said, oh man, I got a Coke. And I didn't even, I meant to say tea, but it's such a habit to yeah. just say Coke. And so then... So several times I meant to say tea and didn't, but I saw, well, at least I thought about it. Yes. At least I thought yes. about it. And so mm -hmm. anyway, it, it eventually changed. That was one habit. It takes a ton of habits. <laughs> you have to look mm -hmm. at yourself and, and yours, your habits and change them, and they're not the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think yeah. that's really good, okay. too, because that's the thing. Again, we try to, we try to, it's like, and we so often we're defeated before we even start because we we look at the big picture it's like okay if i'm 300 pounds i want to be 120 i can't do it right mm -hmm. instead of starting at these small, small places pieces. and you start yeah. chipping them away yeah. and stuff and it, it's like you chip off this area and stuff and now you've mastered this area and that's yeah. what we were talking about how like how it's self-control in one area affects every area because you, if you've you stop drinking sodas and you're like you know what i did that you know, when you first start, when you first decided that you were not going to drink sodas anymore, like you say, it was it was hard. You kept ordering them and stuff, and you know you could have easily at that point given up and stuff, but you held on to it, and so you overcome that one thing, and so that tells you if I can overcome in this area, I can overcome, and then you know, and then so you pick another project. What's the next thing that I want to do? Okay, I want to start eating green things, right? Maybe maybe you eat green things once a week, maybe twice a week or whatever. But you start in these small things. Oh, I think today I'll have a salad, you know. 
And, uh, you know, and so that's how it starts. You start by making the right decisions. And, uh, yeah. Even something as simple as, like, if you go to McDonald's, don't get their extra large because it's only a dollar. Order the freaking small. But it's a better deal if you get the big one. Yeah, and you're going to drink the whole thing and gain a pound And and that's the thing, too. And, again, there has to be real. It's like you can't order five cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke and think that that's (laughs) working, you know? And honestly, isn't that how a lot of us yeah. do, you know, or, or we order the pills, you know, I, I got the diet pills. I'm not going to, uh, these, those commercials drive me insane. It's like, you don't have to change your eating. You don't have to do anything. Just take these pills. You'll be fine and stuff. Or just, you know, do this one thing and stuff. It's not like that in any area. It's not this simple, just, just take this magic pill or do this magic formula, say this prayer. None of it, and honestly, God will do. God does do miracles. We believe that. We do that. Believe that sometimes God comes. Say like you're addicted to drugs. God comes and just boom, supernaturally delivers you that. But if He does, He tells you don't hang out with your stupid dog friends no more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you can be delivered from it, but then go back to it like a sow wallowing in a smire. Right? And so, and that's the thing, God, when God sets you free, he wants you to stay free because it's just like the whole thing. It's like once that house is swept and clean and put in order and, and, you know, and you allow that demon back in, it's going to go get seven other demons more powerful than itself and come back. So. For freedom that we've been set free. Yes. And don't, so continue standing in it. All right. In Ephesians 3 verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, so that he would grant you that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may and again, so many of us, especially in charismatic circles, think that this is all something that, you know, I'm sitting on my couch and God's just gonna do. He does it through trials. He does it through situations. He does it through life. Okay? okay? This is how God works. Yeah, sometimes you go to a prayer meeting, someone lays his hands on you, boom, something happens, and you're never the same. And stuff. But for the most part, it happens through day-to-day circumstances and situations, and that's how it goes. By You add to your faith knowledge. You add to your knowledge self-control. You add these things, right? He says um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we would ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so this is what we're doing. We're coming to that place where we understand with Paul. We understand with the apostles what they say. Because believe me, as a new believer, I would read stuff like that. And I'd be like, what? I'd be like, I, okay, that, I, 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 I'd love that, right? And still, a large part of me is like that now. 
But the more we walk in this and the more we go from strength to strength and we allow him to do that work in us, the more we begin to understand. And we can only understand through the things that we experience. I mean, again, I wish I wish that the Lord, you know, someone could just lay his hands on us and we'd be forever changed. And and again, maybe in, in some people's lives that happens. It has never happened like that for me in my life. The way I've learned about God and the way I've learned who God is, is through life experiences. And most of those experiences are not experiences that you would choose for yourself. But God chooses them for you because he knows better than you do. Mm-hmm. Because if I choose for myself, I want ice cream for every meal, <laughs> right? Or I want cookies or I want whatever and stuff. God's like, no, you're going to have some broccoli. Yeah. So. This is. Oh shoot! Where did it go? Hang on a second. Um, This is the actually the verse that I wanted to read is. um, Let's see. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who Mm. rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Mm. So in God's view. If you rule your spirit, you're better than someone that takes a city. What's that verse that says something like, if, if you can control your tongue, then like... You know, the thing that's... Yeah, James uh, 3, I think. But uh, the, the thing that's amazing about that is I've known a lot of gifted uh, men and women of God, men, people who've, who have had lots of gifting and... and anointings and like we're able to do like some pretty spiritually cool things but then I've known them personally and they they treat people around them like dirt honestly Uh, and that's saying it nicely and stuff and it's like according to that scripture it would be better if you did not have those gifts Mm-hmm. and you treated people right and you were able to treat your spirit right because these are the people that would have outbursts of anger and stuff and, and envy and jealousies and, and backbiting and gossip and I mean and honestly there are national ministries that are like that and things and, and a lot of us as believers we put these people on pedestals and God doesn't see them like that Mm-mm. God does not see them like that at all I think sometimes like God's working despite them. Like, he is because that the whole love chapters, if you keep remove yeah. mountains, deliver your body to be burned, you know, all this stuff. Like if you basically walked as Jesus walked on the earth, but you don't love all of it's worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All and, of it. And then, and too, like thinking about how, you know, Paul's like, well, you know, even if these people are preaching for their own vanity, at least the word's being preached, which is kind of mm-hmm. like saying God can still use those things. And, those yeah. things aren't, but in God can. But still. that also doesn't mean that they're going to be saved. Yeah. yeah, you know, and just like you say, I mean that 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 uh, that's a mind blowing passage mm-hmm. to think that you could lay down your life, have your body be burned, and, and still not know God. Yeah, if it wasn't you know? for love, it was worthless. You shouldn't have done mm-hmm. it. it was and it's pointless. just yeah. Can I share something just along the lines of what Daniel was saying? Um, 
it's really cool in regard to what you were saying earlier in the message just about how, you know, if we learn self-discipline and there's actually a, a psychology study that was done that they did a study and found oh, that people that make their bed, I, I read about this one time, people that make their bed every morning, actually it's teaching your kids how to make their bed every morning helps them as they're older just to learn self-discipline and the things that really matters or some sort of psychology behind that like in the brain the way your brain works um and they did a study on prison inmates and stuff like that and found that they didn't do like simple things and weren't raised to do simple things like make their bed and do just daily disciplinary activities so their theory was that when they got older and they were faced with bigger temptations that it caused them to stumble more easily because they didn't learn how to have self-control and self-discipline in small areas. But like you were saying, talking about that earlier in the James 3, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a, per- he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Hmm. In other words, like if you, if you can, I, the way I'm seeing that now, that I didn't really see that before, but it's like if you can watch and guard what you say with your tongue, if you can learn how to master the tongue, which is so easily just all over the place for us, then you can bridle your whole body as well. In other words, if you can learn just to discipline this thing, then you're going to have discipline in the rest of your life. Like, that's crazy. That's really cool. Along those same lines, I was reading, I was I meant to actually read it, but um, this was in Psychology Today, which, whatever. But it says, <laughs> one of the most famous studies of self-control is known as the marshmallow test, which found that children who left alone in a room with a plate containing a marshmallow were able to resist eating the candy in order to be rewarded with two in the future. In other words, we're going to leave you alone in this room, kid. There's a marshmallow. Don't touch it. If you don't eat the marshmallow, we'll give you two of them. It says later it showed uh, numerous positive outcomes. Notably, they had higher academic achievement than those who had wolfed down the treat immediately. The kids that, that waited. Yeah. It, it says the study's results seem to indicate that self-control is an innate ability with wide-reaching implications for people's lives. Later studies have su- suggested that self-control actually changes significantly over a lifetime and can be improved with practice. Hmm. 